0: Welcome along, everybody. It's another episode. Oh, it's another episode of the From the Resort Podcast, episode number thirty-three. Uh, today we're out at um, the Mountain Club at Frankton. Uh, today's date is the eighth of August, uh, twenty twenty-two, and I've got a great uh, guest here today. Uh, she's a mayor candidate uh, for the upcoming elections in October, and also she's the CEO of startup Queenstown Lakes. Welcome along, Olivia Winsley.
1: Hi. Thanks for having me.
0: No worries. Okay, so where we like to start these podcasts, uh, Olivia, is basically early life, so whereabouts were you born and uh, where did you grow up?
1: Yeah, right. So I'm a Waikato girl originally, so I spent the first six years of my life on a dairy farm in Morrinsville. And then my family moved to Waikato and I went to school there. My mother is from Ireland originally, so I spent my childhood going to Ireland every year. We'd spend a few months there every year, which I thought was normal at the time, but looking back it was very unusual. Uh, Yes, so so I spent my time between Hamilton and Dublin mostly. Oh Dublin, okay.
0: So there you go, Hamilton's a double, and that's yep. so. And that's apparently your mum came from. me. Yes, okay. so yes. Um, so I guess growing up, can you remember sort of? Um, and then when you got to your sort of teen years, or before, even before then, whereabouts were you living then?
1: So I went to university in Christchurch after okay. I left, and so I studied law at Canterbury. Yeah.
0: So before yes. before that, so teenage so years,
1: teenage years in Hamilton. Okay. Yes. Yep. So I went to St Paul's College at there and yep. loved it and. Yeah, it was great.
0: Excellent. Can you remember what your, uh, I guess, what sort of hobbies did you have as a teen growing up? Did did you play sports? Um, What did you like to do?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, In terms of sports, uh, soccer. I I I used to play soccer at St. Paul's, and that was good fun. And with hobbies, um, I'm a very keen artist, so I did a lot of painting yep. uh, when I was a teenager. I still like to paint, so yeah, that was a hobby that I used to enjoy a lot. Less now, now that I have children, but um, it's still yeah something I really enjoy doing.
0: Excellent. Can you remember what your first ever job was?
1: First ever team? job, yes. I was a waitress in Ireland. Okay. So I was fifteen, and Is working. Ireland as Yes. A waitress. Okay. Yes. So I was fifteen and worked at a hotel there as a waitress. Okay. Yes. <laughs> they used to call me the girl from the girl from Holman Away. Yeah, they thought it was very, because I mean, um, it was small town Ireland, so at that stage we're living in a small place called Dungarvan in County Waterford, population Mm -hmm. just under 4,000 at the time, so they found it very unusual to have a Kiwi living Mm -hmm. there. (laughs)
0: Okay, good stuff, so then uh, I guess you're circling to to when you first went to uni, so tell us about... Um, I guess coming back and starting uni in Canterbury, was
1: it? Yes, yes. So I studied law at Canterbury. I always wanted to be a lawyer growing up Uh, so I went and studied law and I did my first year at Canterbury and then I transferred back home to Waikato and finished off at Waikato University, which was great
0: okay so with the, with the law um, and doing university at law with any uh, mm-hmm. any sort of other I guess subjects with law that you're doing or just basically just straight general sort of law or?
1: I was studying art history as well. okay that was my um, other major mm-hmm. uh, just out of interest and um, yeah, so that was was great. loved uni.
0: okay, yeah. so you, you love your uni days, that's great. Yes. And
1: I did, um, while I was in uni, I went and did a few internships over in Sydney. So I did my first one at Mallison's, which is the biggest law firm in Australia. And then I did a second one at Credit Suisse in Sydney. So it was was great doing those internships while I was studying.
0: So both in Sydney? Yes. Yep, okay, excellent. So how did you find living,
1: did you live there in Sydney? I I did, I did, so I did two two summer internships there and really loved Sydney.
0: Mm. So
1: I'd always planned on living there one day but after I graduated I spent a bit of time in Auckland, worked there for a couple of years and then I moved to Singapore and worked in banking, investment banking there as a lawyer.
0: So hang on a sec. So you, you went, but so you were in Sydney for a while. Yep. Then you went to Auckland. Auckland. For, for how long there?
1: Um, two years. A couple of
0: years there. Yes. And then what made you decide to go to Singapore?
1: It was the opportunities. Okay. So yes, I just it's just such a great experience living in Asia, in Southeast Asia, and um, yeah, fantastic opportunities, great lifestyle over there. It was. Best decision. I really mm. loved it over there. Lots of Kiwis go there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um. And that's how I met my husband.
0: Okay. So you met him in Singapore. Yes. Okay. Yep. Um. So so with Singapore investment banking, doing law there, um, very hot sort of country most of the time. Very clean country. Um. Uh, but did, how long did you live there, and what were your sort of highlights?
1: Uh, just under three years, and the highlights were being able to travel and just getting sort of to central, see. Just it's, go
0: to Europe easy. Go back to America easy.
1: Or, it's very you know. easy, very easy to travel, and the people yep. there was, were wonderful. But what really um, I took away from Singapore was the innovation that they did as a country. I mean, this is a country that forty years ago was a developing country. They had, they've got no natural resources, and through innovation, they've been able to build themselves into a very heavy hitting country on the world yep. stage.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, it's three years there, and then uh, after, so after you'd sort of finished with Singapore, where did the next opportunity come up?
1: So I moved back to Queenstown with my husband, so that was 10 years ago so now. And that was the
0: first time you lived in Queenstown at that yes. stage? Yes, Okay. And that, that was, how long ago did you
1: say? Uh, I've been here for 10 years so now. 10 years, okay. Yes.
0: So, excellent. So that's obviously a, a huge change in climate to go from somewhere like Singapore... Massive, massive. Uh, ...to here, which is very cool. I mean, one of the reasons we moved here was... You know, the cold weather, the beauty of the mountains, uh, just the nice, cold, cool air and that sort of thing. Yes. What are the things that, I guess, made you want to move to Queenstown? It
1: was quite um, interesting because the time that I moved, it was one of the coldest winters on record, so Mm. the edges of the lake were freezing. Yeah. And so the week that I moved back, I went from Singapore as 30 three to 35 degrees at any given time to negative yeah. eight so <laughs> so that was quite uh, an acclimatization experience yeah but i came here for the lifestyle as everybody yeah. does but also the lifestyle for my future children yeah so i loved growing up in new zealand and i wanted yeah. my children to benefit from the same outdoors lifestyle that we enjoy here
0: yeah definitely and i can i can see what great place to bring children up anywhere where you've got lots of different activities to do, um, you got this, You learn to snow, sports, ski, all, all those different things that are here. And exactly. Sport, and sport's probably still here too. Exactly. Um, excellent, so 10 years here, but was it solicitor role to start off with?
1: Yes, it was, it was. When I moved back here, I, I didn't know what I was going to do actually, because I mean, there's no investment banking roles. Well, there wasn't back then. Yeah. Um, and so I just came and I ended up working for a local law firm and yeah, so so I was just a lawyer for about five years after mm. moving back. Yes.
0: Mm. So, and what was it like being a lawyer? Because there's a lot of lawyers that, that have actually I've had a few lawyers on the podcast, believe it or not. Right. Um. So there's certainly you see a few lawyers around town and a few. Yes. A few, and there's obviously a lot of, a lot of different things that um, lawyers could do. I guess when it comes to places like Queenstown and things like you know property. Yes. Um, get involved in developments, and that sort of thing. So what was That's your right. area of specialty? When so
1: my area of specialty was litigation. Yep. So I was ma- mostly doing construction litigation. Mm. So that was interesting. Yep. I did a bit of general litigation as well, a, little, a small amount of criminal Law, um, when when you're in a small town, you have to be pretty generalist, yes. but yes. most of my work was to do with construction litigation, construction disputes, and I'd travel up to Christchurch quite a lot for work on some big cases there, so most of my work was high court stuff, civil disputes, mostly involving construction. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, that's
0: definitely a, a lot of potential for that anywhere. but uh, even, you know, where you've got sort of de- developments happening and that sort of thing. Yes. Um, I, I guess with with your sort of law career, um, where did that sort of go to? I mean, where did you you sort of ended up? Uh, you you're still obviously you're not a lawyer anymore. No. So tell us about um, what made you, I guess, get to the end of that and go chase something else.
1: Yes. So with law, the industry, um, how do I say this? The there's issues when you're a young yep. woman in yep. the lawn. And the, the, the culture leaves a lot to be desired. Mm. And this was something I was seeing no matter where I worked really. Some firms are okay, but a lot of firms were not okay in terms mm. of the culture, the way that women are treated. There's yeah. a lot of harassment, a lot of bullying, a lot of discrimination, some pretty awful things really. And it just didn't uh, align with my personal values. So I left. And I wasn't sure what I was going to do, but I knew that I just couldn't continue being a lawyer. It wasn't consistent with my life goals of having a family. Mm. I didn't see it as being yeah. um, a good thing. Because, for example, I mean, when you're working on a high court trial, I did a big one in Queenstown. And this was back in 2017. And I worked for four months without a single day off.
0: Yeah.
1: I would do some days where I was billing, billing 22 hours, like yeah, some crazy. days. Like, just, you just can't, it's not sustainable. No. And so, I was a hard worker, but uh, you just get, you, it's just not sustainable to work that hard for that long. So, yeah, yeah so I, um, and then the cultural thing was really a big issue for me. Yeah. So, I is left. There,
0: is there much, like, obviously, you, I read a bit a bit about some of the issues that, that, you know, you're talking about when it yes. comes to... Um, the profession, legal profession and, yes. and that sort of thing, is there much of an alcohol problem as well? Oh, huge, lot- huge. Yeah. And it's
1: because yeah. what happens is because you're working these crazy hours yeah. that yeah. something's got to give, right? So you're yeah. under massive stress, so alcohol gets involved yeah. naturally. And then there's a culture, I used to observe it, that there'd be Friday night drinks in law firms, which were pretty standard back then. Yeah. And you'd see that's when, it's when the booze came out, that's when the inappropriate... Yep. Stuff came course, out, yeah. and just the things that were said were yeah. just yeah appalling. So, yeah, yeah it just didn't fit with my values. So I left.
0: Mm. So obviously looking for something else then. Yes. Um, which is which is great. I did I read read some of your bit of your profile. You did get nominated for two thousand and nineteen New Zealand nearly New Zealander of the Year. Is that correct?
1: Yes, that's right. So what happened is after I left the law, uh, I went and worked for a legal tech company. Okay. So I left the law in 2017 and I went and worked for a legal tech company. So we were all former lawyers that wanted to. What was the name of the legal tech company? uh, Back then it was called Automio. It's now called Firmsey. And so we're. Yes. And so we were a bunch of former lawyers that saw the industry as very traditional, not very good in the way that um, the practices. It was very outdated, basically. I mean, law to a certain extent is still stuck in the 1950s in yep. terms of the way that people are treated and the approach, it's very, very traditional. You still get partners that cannot type. <laughs> <laughs> they they dictate into a dictaphone and their secretaries have to type it up. So And that's still happening. Like In Queenstown now, there are lawyers who cannot use a computer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which says it all. So we saw it as industry ripe for disruption. Disruption, mm. and so we created software that helped lawyers become more efficient with delivering services online.
0: Mm. Mm. I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of legal documentation. Coming mm-hmm. from Australia, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm involved in some some legal uh, documentation companies as far as nice, um, inv- you know, investing in those sort of things, and yes. also um, s- you know seeing how they all develop and getting you know. So it's, it's quite interesting that you know legal documentation mm. and documentation generally that's going to help. Um, something is, is, that's certainly something that interests me.
1: So I'm um, coming back to your question about the New Zealander of the Year nomination. Oh, yes. So that happened uh, after... So in early... When was it? 2018? Um, yeah. Or was it early 2019? Yeah. Um, I th- no, it, it, this started in 2018, and what happened is the Russell McVeigh issue came out. So at, at Russell McVeigh... In the summer of 2016 slash 2017, there are five young interns working there who got assaulted when right. they were working there. So, I mean, these are 22-year-old girls and, hours, yep. Yep, and pretty appalling at one of the biggest firms in the country. So this made news. And when this became news, I was shocked because, not because of what happened, but because it made news. Because mm. everybody knows what's happening in the mm. legal profession and that this stuff happens all the time, mm. so I wrote a opinion piece on LinkedIn mm. saying, "This isn't the news. The news is that it's happening all the time, and nobody's doing anything about it. Yeah. Why are we shocked? Because we should be shocked that you know, yeah. it's it's this is the norm. Mm. So, and that really struck a chord. So, I spoke out, and then that piece went viral. Mm. And what it did is it actually sparked a movement." New Zealand and it knocked knocked onto Australia as well and at the time they called it me too because it tied in with what was happening with Hollywood and the Harvey Weinstein and I personally don't really use that tag it's just sort of I I, it doesn't resonate with me I don't see myself as a victim I see myself as a victims advocate and and creating positive change Mm. so in speaking out, um, it got huge momentum and I became a spokesperson really for the movement because a lot of people were afraid to speak out because they, the law profession so small and if you speak out, if you don't toe the line, mm. then your career will get negatively impacted. Yes. Yep. So that's why, um, yeah, there was a culture of silence out of fear. But I had no intention of going back to be a lawyer, mm. so I spoke out and then the media kept coming to me Mm. and so yeah I became an advocate for change Mm. in a positive way and it was hugely positive so Mm. it ended up uh, changing legislation and changing the way that lawyers have to practice their conduct rules have been changed as a result which is great so that's what resulted in me being uh, nominated for New Zealander of the Year Mm -hmm. I also got nominated for the Inspirational Woman Awards in Auckland and funnily enough I won Wellingtonian of the year but they had to give it to someone else because they realized I didn't actually live in Wellington <laughs> <laughs> they rang me and said congrats you've won Wellingtonian of the year I said I don't, mm, I don't live in Wellington so fun fact I was also Wellingtonian <laughs> of the year 2019 <laughs> well, yeah, for uh, yeah for that work which was a real honor well,
0: congrats for that. thank you um, okay so that, that's that's some interesting stuff now I probably want to I guess Next thing after that though, Startup Queenstown Lakes, tell us yes. about that, how you got involved in that, What's yes. what, 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 it, what it's all about.
1: Mm-hmm. So Startup Queenstown Lakes, it got set up about uh, three and a half years ago now, so it was part of the economic development team in council, so the economic development team is part of council and they set up... Startup Queenstown Lakes is a way to diversify our economy and get startups going. Mm-hmm. So I got shoulder tap for this role as a CEO because of my previous startup experience. Yep. And so coming into that was great because it really aligns with passions that I have for diversifying our economy. Mm. I see that our region can be so much better than it is already Mm. um, by bringing fresh talent and fresh business to town. So it was really in my wheelhouse. So the role that I do, I work closely. My organization is part of the economic development team but an independent part, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So we tie in closely with the overall strategy and work with the team, but we are an independent charitable trust. Okay. yeah so it's great I love working with founders and helping them scale their ideas so the role can be described or my organization can be described in three ways we uh, capability is the first word so we build founders capability connections is the second thing we do and we build connections within our ecosystem and the last piece is capital so we help founders raise capital
0: Excellent. So that's, uh, that's, that's very helpful to a lot of people trying to come into the area. And so what have you seen, I guess, since you've been involved in that role? What have, you, what have you seen change in Queenstown in the last few years?
1: I've seen a massive change. So I came into the role two weeks before COVID hit. Okay. So February 2020. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what I saw was my 10-year goals happen within two years okay. in terms of startups coming through and the growth. And the investment so massive so what so, I saw so you and
0: reckon COVID sort of uh, gave it a bit of an acceleration in it a way.
1: hugely accelerated it and a big part of that what I saw is I mean right here so I was working here in the Mountain Club yeah. and I saw that when COVID hit there was a huge amount of talent that came to town because remote work became normal mm-hmm. and people thought if I'm working remotely I'll work from where I want to work yes so I mean, there's some interesting stats with Mountain Club. So, of all the people here, so there's two locations. There's Frankton and downtown. Uh, 70% of the people that work in Mountain Club are working for companies outside the region. Mm -hmm. And last year alone, those companies raised $400 million. Yeah. So, I mean, that's huge. That is huge, yeah. And I just see that trend continuing. I mean, look how fast the Mountain Club's filled up.
0: Yeah, no, this is even busier than I came here a couple of months ago. I mean, I, I have been to this one for a couple of months. I usually mm. work in town. Yes. Uh, once, you know, usually once a week. And yeah, it's just amazing what they're doing. There's some more stuff going on around the corner there. so.
1: It's incredible. Mm. And I saw that there was something really special happening. For example, I used to have a permanent desk over there before I got my own office. And mm. the guy sitting next to me, I said, well, what are you working on? And he said, I'm designing virtual reality training for Heathrow Airport. <laughs> yes.
0: And people in the UK, it's just amazing, isn't it?
1: Incredible. And so, and you would have observed that working here, is mm. that the people here work remotely, they work flexibly. When mm. it's a good day, nobody's in the office. Mm. Everyone's out mountain skiing or bike riding. Yes. And... <laughs> That's a very attractive lifestyle for entrepreneurs. So I saw that, hold on, there's something really compelling about our region. It's attracting world-class talent. And so this is an exciting future for our region outside of a mono economy just focused on tourism.
0: Yeah, Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah, so that's when I started getting excited for the future of our region. So covid decimated our economy but what it did is it made us realize that we can't be a one-trick pony anymore our town has grown up Mm. we are scaling to become a a proper town not just Mm. a remote tourist village yeah and that's that's where i see the exciting potential is for getting more businesses to town more talent because entrepreneurs Mm. want to live here
0: yeah Mm. definitely they do and there's Certainly people that, that do come to town and, and do like to you know, invest, spend money, uh, that sort of thing as well. So it goes without saying, I guess. But So that, that's interesting. Um, as far as, when what you know, I think you were one of the first Were you the first person? The second. That, the second person I was the had. second
1: person to throw my hat in the ring for the mayoralty. Yeah,
0: so tell us how long ago did you make that decision?
1: Oh, well, I kept getting asked
0: so so, who's, so kept
1: oh that? I, I won't name names but there's some pretty prominent people in the okay. community okay. and the reason for that is the reason they kept asking me is because they saw the work I was doing with startup Queenstown Lakes Excellent. and what we need more than anything is to diversify our economy and we need someone with experience doing it so I've been doing some large projects in in my role uh, For example, I've helped get funding for Silverlight Studios in Wanaka, Mm. a $280 million build, Mm. which is going to create thousands of jobs and bring in a huge amount of money into our economy. So I did that by connecting people in our network. It's all those connections, connections, connections. And the thing that's interesting about the Queenstown Lakes is we have the second highest number of investor migrants outside of Auckland. Our region has the second highest number of investor migrants so there's massive capital here mm. and so I've been able to get some really great wins for diversification by connecting that capital with opportunities. Mm. There's another project as well uh, which is also a film-based project which I've helped yes. get funding for as well as part of the diversification strategy. So. The reason why I'm running for mayor is because I want to continue this. We've got some really hefty infrastructure stuff that we need to get done. Mm. And I know how to do it. I've got the contacts to make it happen. So that's why I'm running, so that mm. we can really make a positive change. Because the time is now. Mm. We can't go back to just being a one-trick pony. We must diversify.
0: Yeah, obviously, one-trick pony meaning tourism being the main industry. and Exactly. And that sort of thing. Um, I guess we've... So but if you were to be mayor, I mean, how would you sort of... How how would you sort of deal with tourism? What would you Mm. change about the tourism as as to how we have it right now?
1: So I'm realistic. I mean, tourism is always going to be here. Tourism will always be the backbone of our economy, and there's nothing wrong with tourism. But we need to do it smarter. So Mm. there's been talk about sustainability and renewable tourism, but I'm not seeing any actual meaningful policy change in driving a hard line because we can't continue so I've done some surveys and only 2% of people want tourism to grow 2% Yes. So and this is t- based on pre-covid numbers. Mm. So only 2% of people want to see more tourists than there were in 2019. Mm. So we need to start listening to the community. Mm. We can't just let the airport continue to grow. Mm. I don't support an airport at Taris. We don't need more people. We mm. need to be smarter about who we who we let in. And I think that we need to be capping numbers where we can. And and being a premium destination and there's nothing wrong mm. with that. Mm.
0: Being a premium premium destination always comes, uh, you know, high price for anyone wanting mm. to live in the area. Obviously, you, since you moved here ten years ago, you would have seen uh, quite a large um, increase in what it costs to live in, in yes. this area, and and obviously it's you, you see a lot of different, you know, I guess what we call migrants coming in and you know having to live the way they have to live. Um, so so I guess where do you see that going yes. in the future? Do you see that? changing at all with migrants or what 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 do you see happening so
1: what i see happening is well one of the first urgent things that i want to address is housing Mm. because if we don't have affordable housing for workers then every business in town suffers i mean look Mm. at what's happening at the moment every single place in town has a staff wanted sign yes i've never seen anything like it it's actually a disaster for our economy so i've never seen
0: anything like it in since I've been alive it's
1: it's, it's shocking so what I want to focus on is getting dedicated worker accommodation Mm. so this is what other centres have done uh, in Aspen where there is unaffordable houses but they build dedicated rental Mm. accommodation for workers so I like the build to rent model so it's purpose built rentals Mm. built um, high density yeah and run commercially. So that way you've got people living in warm, dry housing mm-hmm. that's affordable mm-hmm. as opposed to what's going on. I mean, uh, I heard this guy talking the other night, boasting about how he manages to get seven people per bathroom what? in his houses. Mm-hmm. So there's these slum lords in town. Like, it's uh, disgusting. Uh, disgusting. So we need uh, to do better than this. Yeah. Um, and that's going to be my number one priority is getting uh, worker housing sorted downtown because the reason for doing it downtown is that it takes cars off the road. Yep. Workers should not need cars. We yep. need to get our transport standards lifted, get cars off the road and put workers downtown where they can work, walk to work and mm. support our CBD.
0: So I guess you've, you've worked somewhat closely with the council over the last few years with, with Startup and Queen, yes. Queenstown and that sort of thing. How uh, have you sort of found, I mean, I guess, dealing with the council at the moment? Mm. Obviously, there are th- I'm, no doubt being a candidate, you can see things that you want to improve. Yes. Um, what, are, what are the things that you think will be the difference that people will remember, I guess, mm. if you were... Mm.
1: So I want to look forward As opposed to looking backwards Because yeah. I think it's very easy To criticise those in the arena Right? Yeah. But what I'm saying is that People who want to criticise what's happened They should get in the arena themselves You yeah. know, there's yeah. very few people who have actually put their hand up for council There's only 6 out of 11 numbers, 6 candidates out of 11 positions We may not even fill the positions So I don't have any criticism of what has been, we've been through unprecedented times, mm. and I do not envy the role that, I mean, Mia Bolt has dealt with a humanitarian crisis. I will never forget seeing the line of people at Pack and Save to get food with food vouchers. There was a literal a crisis, humanitarian like crisis when COVID hit, so hats off to the council for what they did there. Mm. Looking forward, can we do better? Yes. Yes, we can. So I see that there's a few places where efficiencies need to happen. Mm -hmm. I'd be very keen to get an operational review done by an external third party to have a look at senior management and how we can be doing things smarter. Do we have the structure right? I don't think so. But councils across the country are notoriously inefficient. That is what local councils are like. So I'd like to come in with fresh eyes from a non-local government um, position one of my role models is Mayor Bloomberg so he came into office in New York and with no local government experience was not a politician he was the founder of Bloomberg and he came in with that innovative lens right so Bloomberg one of the most innovative companies in the world yes so he came in and ran it like a software company Mm. so he came in and saw efficiencies got rid of silos got things more efficient in the way that he structured it so got rid of a lot of bureaucracy which Mm. was unneeded and I see that here I mean Mm. there's so much so much unnecessary bureaucracy that's happening Mm. and so I think that there's huge gains to happen by just getting in and reviewing Everything. Getting a good team. Yeah. I need a good team around me to get things done.
0: <clears throat> so obviously you've got some people in mind for your team, I guess, at this stage. If you... I,
1: I know what needs to happen in terms of um, who I need to help me. And, I mean, one of the, the urgent things they'll be doing is getting the Mural Housing Task Force set up again. So that got set up in 2017, and it needs to happen again because housing's very, very... Um, difficult, a very difficult situation at the moment so we need to be looking at smart ways to get build to rent set up, Kainga Aura needs to get into our region and getting affordable housing built. Another thing I want to do is get a independent economic development agency so at the moment there's three people in the ED team in council which is not proportionate to the opportunities. So we need to be getting smart like other regions have and setting up an independent EDA so that we can really leverage the local capital and talent that we have here and in getting investment opportunities in. Um, so there are two things that I want to do straight away that's, um, and that will take, I, I have some good ideas of people that can help with that. And yeah, so I'm looking forward to getting stuck in. Yeah,
0: excellent. Um, the Queenstown Chamber of Commerce. Always, I've, I mean, since moving to town a couple of years ago, I found them to be to be really, really good uh, as a as a as a chamber. Um, do, how do you sort of going to, uh, I guess, interact with the business community and the and the chamber? I guess if you were to become mayor and what mm-hmm. tell us about your experiences with the Queenstown Chamber of Commerce? Do, are they do you, do you like what they do? That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you see it?
1: Well, I see myself as the pro business candidate. Yeah so i have worked with hundreds of local founders and companies Mm -hmm. in my current role and i am a huge fan of supporting our economy so the other candidates neither of them come from a business background Uh, they haven't been involved in business they've been employees basically Um, my competitive advantage is that i understand business i've built businesses I work with yeah hundreds of yes. local businesses. so I know the needs of our business community and I think that's really, really important is to have that support for our business community because like, I don't see anything more important than supporting our economy post COVID so that we can recover.
0: Yeah, obviously, I mean networking is very important as yes. well and uh, being able to build connections as, as you have.
1: What I'd like to see is more um, sort of less silos and more collaboration. Mm. So I'd like to see actually physically what other regions have. I've just been having a meeting actually with someone who set up the Economic Development Agency in Northland. What they did is they set up a facility where they had co-working, they had the startup support, they had the chamber, all in one destination. So entrepreneurs could come in and say, hey, I need help for my business. And they could find all the right people in one place mm. which I really liked that idea mm.
0: okay excellent um, I, I guess I mean from what I can see you, you you've got some great you know some great sort of ideas plans for for uh, the region when it you know when it comes to being the mayor and and I think um, the way you promote yourself is, is visual you can obviously see um, you know you're out there the social media the the um, I think the car's sign written, isn't it? Yes,
1: yes. <laughs> Getting the, it all website, out there. Um, so yes. So it's all
0: it, the promotionally, it, it's it's really really good, and I think um, uh, you know it's it's, it's it's you can see it standing. You know, it, it's, I guess it sort of sort of becomes more in your memory. I guess if you see something, yes. Um,
1: well, I'm taking an innovative approach to a yeah. traditional way. You know, I'm not the type of person that's just going to stick a few signs up and be done with that. Yeah. I'm running my campaign like a central government campaign, and I'm putting time and resources into it. Yeah. I've stepped down from my role. I'm working very reduced hours so that I can take this campaign seriously. Yeah. So I am invested in being successful yeah, definitely. and taking it very seriously. Yes. So, um, yeah, so I'm glad you can see the results because I'm working very hard.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned Bloomberg was was a mentor. there Any other sort of mentors or uh, heroes that you have, I guess, that have helped shape your beliefs in business or in in personal life? Mm. Um, Leadership, I mean... Is there any sort of anybody else to mention? I
1: guess. Yes, there's someone uh, who lives here, so there's Rod Drury the founder of Zero. Okay, there you go. Wow. So he is a very good friend, role model and m- mentor of mine, and a great supporter. He's, he's been fantastic in supporting me with my campaign um, with the ideas and the things that we could do as a region. He is a very big thinker Yes. and he is getting some really chunky infrastructure projects off the ground. So he as a private citizen is doing amazing work to um, benefit our community. So I'm very fortunate to have him in my life as, as a mentor and yeah it's, it's just very inspiring to be with him and um, he's connecting me in on all these amazing projects so it means that I'll be able to hit the ground running when I'm successful, <laughs> do some positive thinking, yep. uh, when I'm mm. successful I'll be able to hit the ground running with these amazing infrastructure projects which will really move the dial for our region.
0: No, that sounds really good, I mm. obviously wasn't completely aware of that one so, yeah. so yeah. That's, that's really really good. Uh, I guess where, um, what do you sort of, uh, I guess, when, it, when it's all said and done, um, what do you sort of want to be remembered from? You, right. you are going to probably leave a legacy, whether you mm. can become mayor or not. Mm. there will be some sort of legacy left behind for Olivia Wensley. What do you want that legacy to sort of, I guess, be once once you can look back at it, you know, when you're, say, a your grandparent or something like yeah.
1: that? Yeah, yeah. I want to be known as someone who always stood up and did the right thing. And that's sort of something that I've been really um, passionate about doing just natural, I've got a really strong sense of justice and a strong sense of morality and doing things that align with my values. So that's why I'm really proud to have taken a stand with the legal profession and stood up when there's been uh, corruption and poor behaviour, bad cultural practices. Um, and that's what I'm very passionate about doing when I take the morality. I'd be very keen to get in there and get the culture and transparency fixed because at the moment whether it's real or perceived there's very very low trust with the public so there's the perception that there's not great things happening and I want to get stuck in there and make sure that the council operates with integrity mm-hmm. and that we regain the trust of the community because we can't get things done. Mm. And um, and just in my private life as well, I just really am passionate about social justice and standing up for people uh, who don't have any rights. Um, I, I've been nominated actually this year for uh, the first, there's the Inspirational Women's Awards, which is happening, it's um, sponsored by a lot of local companies and I'm one of the top three finalists in the inspirational woman category the main category and that is because of my work in the legal profession but I also I um, I helped a woman leave Gloria vale. and this was just a sort of uh, personal project that I did I didn't know how it would end up but for basically six years I've been communicating with a woman who I met when she was 15 and I visited her a few times in Gloria Vale, which is for those of you who don't know it's a cult on the, a Christian cult on the west coast so remote grey mouth and I ended up being able to help her leave and that's been the most rewarding thing I've ever done Excellent. and that's that kind of, and that's the legacy like I want to you know um, just stand up for what's right and that's what I want my children, my daughter, my son to see is that you have to act with integrity, and that's mm. and that's what I'd like to be known for.
0: Mm. Excellent. There's a few other little bits and pieces uh, Yeah. So tell me now. I read this. This is probably just correct me if I'm wrong on this. Yeah. Um, you're, you're very independent when it comes to political sides. Not you know. Yes. Um, whether it's Nationals or or Labor. Yes. You don't sort of fit on either side of the fence. No. Um, very independent. Yes. Um, now tell us. I guess, uh, tell us, I guess, firstly, uh, what do you think the, you know, the the Labor government, how you Mm -hmm. think they've sort of responded over the last few Mm -hmm. years with Mm -hmm. the pandemic? what Jacinda Ardern stands for and yeah. what, what do you think of what she's done?
1: So that being said, so I'm independent but I also have very good relationships with both parties, with both National and Labour, Okay. so I have great relationships with um, some of the ministers in Labour and some of the MPs because I've had to work with them, yeah. so I have been an advocate for our region in terms of innovation and getting investment here mm-hmm. that's resulted in, I've been part of the work which has resulted in getting a 20 million dollar diversification fund from Minister Nash and what do I think they're doing again I mean so hard to so hard to criticise I don't want to because Mm. you know like it's been a disaster what what our government has had to deal with so I just really take my hat off to them for for dealing with a terrible situation who would who would want that job as PM who would want that job at the moment so I think that they've done the best that they can but I do want to, my only criticism and what I'd like to see going forward is that for our government to appreciate the opportunities the Queenstown Lakes has so there's this perception that we're rich white Queenstown which is a lie it's just not it's not Correct. Our average wage is lower than the national average. Our productivity Mm. is terrible. Mm. We need to be doing better and I would like to see government investment um, in our region to get true diversification going. I'd also like to see our visas um, be addressed. I think our region is different to the rest of the country and that Mm. we need our own set of visas. support our region and part of that work I was doing was lobbying the Minister of Immigration who I met a couple of times to get uh, special visas for our region so as part of the diversification work I said why don't you let us have tech talent visas let's be a pilot for the rest of the country give us Mm. 150 visas and it will create for each visa holder it will create five jobs in our local economy So, yeah, so, that, so that's my view there. Um, with the National Party, they're very, very supportive of the work that I do. Um, Startup Queenstown Lakes hosted the National Party caucus when they're in town at the start of this year. Okay. We've got Judith Collins is coming down here next month. Uh, we're hosting her to showcase our tech sector, so she's mm-hmm. very supportive of the tech sector. But Labor is as well. So Jacinda Ardern just announced at the High Tech Awards um, that there's going to be hundreds of thousands of jobs created in the next 10 years in the tech sector and it is the it should be the focus of yeah. our um, diversification strategy for Excellent. our country yes
0: no worries okay well, I think I'm, we will pretty close the podcast down shortly but okay. I guess I guess uh, anything sort of final that you wanted to say in relation to what, what you stand for mm. uh, where you see the region you know going what you sort of what you see in the future or I'll let you talk yeah, yeah sure podcast.
1: I guess something that I'd like people to have is to keep an open mind it's been quite interesting actually seeing some of the old guard per se being a bit um reluctant to have someone who's innovative who will get in and shake things up as opposed to the traditional safe mm. choice and the reason why I would like people to put their faith in me and, and vote for me is because we do need to shake things up. We need to innovate to really realize, you know, to be a really great region. And um, some, of the, some of the feedback that I've had is people saying, oh, you're, you're, you're so young, mm. which, you know, I, I'll take that any day of the week. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> I know yeah. they don't mean it as a compliment, but I love hearing that I'm young all the time.
0: Well <laughs> I mean there are a lot of great young politicians in New Zealand. There are they? um, and, uh, and that's that's something about New Zealand that sort of stands out a little bit. You've got Jacinda Ardern, very young. Yep. Um you know, it, Seymour's pretty young, I think. Yeah. So there's yeah. all these young people. There. There's
1: there's a lot of candidates in their twenties running for mayoralty yeah. through the country, which is great. Really well. Wow. Great. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I, your, I I <laughs> say back to the people who are calling me young as not a compliment. <laughs> they're calling me young as a reluctant. Yeah. yeah. But I say that there's people. There's women younger than me running countries. The yeah. Prime Minister of Finland, she's 35. I'm yeah. 37, for the yeah. record. Yeah. Um, an age thing, it should not come to age. It should come no. to who's going to get in there. And I think the good thing who's about right having go. someone young is I've got the energy. I've got the energy to deliver. And, yeah, so, and yeah, so um, yeah, so I just... Hope that people keep an open mind, and even though I don't look like the traditional mayoral candidate, the average age for a mayor in New Zealand is 65, yes. and overwhelmingly white men. I yep. know I don't look like that, no. but let's just see what happens, because I'm yep. really confident that we could really do amazing things. No, if we, Yeah.
0: Fantastic. It's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Olivia. That's Thanks so much. It's been episode 33 of From the Resort Podcast. We'll get it uploaded Later on today, and you can share it around to all your uh, social media um, contacts and all that sort of thing. So, I do thank you very much. Great. Um, thank you very much. Yeah.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me.